You're listening to Brand to Brand, a not so serious marketing show for serious marketers. With your host, Thomas Sterling. Hey, everybody. Today on the show, we're talking private label products. We'll take a look at brands like Costco and Bed Bath & Beyond to examine the importance of a brand identity. All right, let's kick things off. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Now, those are lines from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. That was Juliet talking about that sometimes undefiable essence that is a brand. That's exactly what she was talking about. Yes, she was talking about branding. That whole play is about a brand. It's about the Montagues and their brand and the Capulets and their awesome brand. And depending on which side you were on, you were on the better brand. So why are you here today, V? (laughs) Well, other than I'm getting paid to be here, (laughs) I have to be here. Um, Today, I'm excited because the two brands that we're talking about are leading us into a discussion about private labeling. Mm -hmm. What is private labeling, you asked Thomas? Well, Thomas, I will answer. (laughs) Private labeling is when a product is manufactured by a contract or third-party manufacturer and sold under a retailer's brand name. Uh, Private labeling has some big benefits for retailers because they can control the product's development, the packaging, Often the pricing, it can allow the retailer to eat a price increase instead of pass it on to the consumer because they're making more profit off of that. So if you're a a Walmart or a big box store, uh, rather than you just always sourcing other well-known brand products to bring into your store, you can also private label and create your own products um, that you're then reaping more of the reward on. And I think that the takeaways from today in so many ways are going to be execution gone right and execution gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And with that, let's get into it. News team, assemble! Costco, Bed Bath & Beyond. Which one are you taking? To infinity and Bed Bath and Beyond. Ooh. I know. (laughs) Well, that's great. I will absolutely take... Costco's Kirkland Signature, a brand that has absolutely exploded in the zeitgeist. I mean, people even have tattoos of Kirkland Signature. I don't know what Kirkland Signature is. What are you talking about? I don't go to Costco. Oh, my gosh. All right. So Costco introduced Kirkland Signature in 1995. Prior to Kirkland Signature, they had 30 different competing brands that they'd created that were their own private labels that were working to compete against other, you know, major product companies. And Costco's co-founder and CEO, Jim Seingel, was actually inspired by a Forbes article. (laughs) And he came back to his team and basically said, we're going to have one global brand umbrella, Kirkland Signature. Really with this concept of just having absolute quality in their offering. And I think Kirkland has risen to the acclaim that it is with people that absolutely love it simply because of that. And they've partnered with some really great companies in order to make this possible. There are a lot of Kirkland Signature products that are secretly manufactured by giant well-known retailers. According to MoneyWise, the Kirkland Signature batteries are actually manufactured by Duracell, and the diapers are made by Kimberly Clark, the company behind Huggies Diapers. Who would have thought, right? Still, Kirkland Signature is owned by Costco, which makes it a private label. 
That means they control their prices by ruling out third-party distributors. And if we think about the size of this juggernaut brand, last year they exceeded $59 billion in sales. 2021, that's up 13.5% from a prior year, and that makes up over 30% of their revenue. I'm no scientist, but that sounds like a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear about Bed Bath & Beyond. Wow, there's so much to say. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond started in 1971 as just Bed & Bath. Did you know that? I did not. They had no Beyond. Uh, In 1985, they added the Beyond because they wanted to have more home furnishings. Mm. Um, They also own Christmas tree shops. They acquired Bye Bye Baby, Cost Plus World Market, Um, The founder of Chewy has a huge stake in Bed Bath & Beyond. However, they are a brand that people have been talking about, will this brand go extinct years ago? There was already so much speculation that Bed Bath & Beyond was going to go out of business. It's a tough time for retail. Very tough time for retail. And with some decisions made by a CEO that they put into place, uh, the pandemic, which, you know, was definitely out of control. Some decisions around private labeling with lower quality. I think we talked about with Kirkland Signature, they're selling things under the Kirkland Signature private label, but they're being manufactured by big brands. When brands go out and private label, but maybe aren't choosing quality. They're going to catch on. They're going to catch on. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond is interesting because this is a brand that was known for Um, Even though they were in every single state in Puerto Rico and Canada, they were known for giving managers some autonomy and choosing what they stocked in their stores. They had an approach where the managers would know what people in the community need. So again, they gave them the ability to choose what was um, on the shelves. They also stocked the living shit out of their shelves. I mean, I remember going into a Bed Bath & Beyond (laughs) when I was little and there's stuff piled everywhere. They're the place where you can go where they have it all. You don't have to make multiple It's like the opposite of Home Depot where they have everything packed to the ceiling, but then when you ask about it, they're like, oh, I got to get the forklift and I'm not even sure if we have it. I can't even get up there. I don't even know. Which makes it a little (laughs) bit tough to to sort through. Um, So that was definitely their philosophy. The coupons, a lot of people remember those. It was all about the coupons. That never expired. They were like, if it says expired, I gotcha. They like allowed the cashiers to be like, I'll still sneak it in the you system. You know, I feel like there was a great comedian that made a joke about this. He's like, he's like, I feel like the guy in the front of the line at Bed Bath and Beyond without a coupon. People are like, this guy's crazy. He gets no coupon. What is he even doing here? It made so much sense. So there was so much love around this brand. And then the rise of e-commerce, the mm-hmm. rise of the online giants like Amazon well, and they the pandemic. Kinda, they kind of cut the coupons. They cut some of the things that brand loyalists love. They did. They made a lot of rapid changes. This new CEO took over in 2019. And I think we actually have a clip by the Wall Street Journal just talking about what really went wrong here. And we're not going to play the whole video because it's long because a lot's gone wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> The global pandemic initially wreaks havoc on the retail sector. In 2020, lockdown shoppers steered clear of brick and mortar stores, which led to a spike in e-commerce. But as the lockdowns eased, consumer behavior normalized somewhat as shoppers returned to stores. Whereas retailers like Walmart and Target quickly adapted to capitalize on the returning foot traffic, Triton's strategy of adopting private label brands was hampered by supply chain bottlenecks. 
What's more, Triton's remodeling of the stores confused returning shoppers. They've been remodeling stores to give them wider aisles. They've taken out a lot of the clutter. The stores do look cleaner, but they're sort of anesthetized and they've lost that specialness. And loyal shoppers have really noticed the difference and they're not so happy about it. In July of this year, Triton was ousted. Currently, a board member is serving as interim CEO while the company searches for a permanent replacement. So they mentioned this guy, Triton, Mark Triton. Oh, buddy. Uh, 2019, he comes on as the CEO, a uh, former executive at Target. I was going to say, he used to be at Target. So, yeah. I mean, Target's doing great. They're just yeah. talking about Target in the clip as well. He heavily leaned into private label brands, and he removed a lot of nationally recognized mm -hmm. brands that people trusted to make room for these products that came out of nowhere that no one knew. I think it was something like last year they talked about Mark Triton's plans to announce eight more private label brands this year. I think they launched 12 in a year or something, it's, and usually it takes years to just get like one or two. They played it super, super fast and loose. And unfortunately, what that led to were some issues. So in developing its own brands as rapidly as they did so, Bed Bath & Beyond used this strategy as a retailer that had previously relied on vendors for both product development and supply chain fulfillment. The company now had to build internal departments virtually from scratch with the added complication of doing it during a global pandemic. Fun. I thought the weirdest thing digging into Bed Bath & Beyond, though, was the pricing strategy. Like, mm. there'd be, there like, I think someone was specifically talking about, like, an OXO kitchen utensil, and the OXO kitchen utensils, like, 13 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. Theirs was $1.50 or something. So if something costs a tenth of the alternative product, buyers will be skeptical of the product. It's just priced too low. It's not like people are like, oh, this is such a, such a deal. No, it They're seems like you're, it's something from the dollar store. Exactly. And Bed Bath & Beyond is not the dollar store. They have major retailers. Well, I mean, I feel like Costco is winning the day here, but like when you have John Mayer, of all people, creating his own Kirkland signature guitar pedal... Like, what in the like, hell? Look at, look at this. Okay, this is homemade. This is clearly something <laughs> that he just did on his own. I went online and you can buy them. People are making replicas of the John Mayer Kirkland signature guitar pedal. When you've developed this level of brand evangelism, you're doing something right. John Mayer in the uh, Instagram post of him... <laughs> sharing this from 2017 so it's a few years ago he said thank you for backing the hashtag kirk boys culture oh, kirk boys <laughs> no one's uh, no one's a bed bath and beyond i wish i boys. could say this post had one like but it had 56,000. <laughs> I mean, Costco's clearly doing it right with Kirkland's signature. Exhibit A is a random clip I found browsing on TikTok of a couple content creators that literally test Costco alcohol products with their rival competitors in a series they call Kenneth Kirkland. Hold on. Oh my God. Let's play the clip. So they got Captain Morgan versus Kirkland Spice Room. I can't, not a single contestant, by the way, looks happy to be consuming this stuff no. in either category. Also, they didn't really cleanse their palates in between it. They went shot for shot, but. That's true. Contestant number two. 
it just speaks to the evangelism of this brand. What's interesting with Costco is we're seeing John Mayer, you could consider an influencer. That's some influencer marketing, endorsing a um, guitar pedal that's branded. A hashtag, you're seeing that take off. You're now seeing almost a cult following, Kirk Boys. Uh, and now you're seeing a platform like TikTok. So definitely some modern fan love with a brand like this. Bed Bath & Beyond seems like it was referenced a lot in some movies that are now considered older. Old school, mm -hmm. definitely an older cult classic, but talks about Beth, Bed Bath & Beyond. Click, Adam Sandler's Click heavily centers around Bed Bath & Beyond as a prime location for the movie. But we've not seen a brand like Bed Bath & Beyond have any kind of social media fandom like we've seen with a brand like Kirkland Signature, which is a private label in itself. They're not talking about Costco. They're talking about Kirkland. That's true. I mean, they kind of lost their way. And, and years and years ago, the mantra at Bed Bath & Beyond was to not make big investments. They never invested heavily into e-commerce that people used to joke, but it was true that they even discouraged people from using sticky notes. What? Yeah. They encouraged people to use just regular paper because sticky notes were more expensive. This was a culture of savings. Mm -hmm. Pass the savings on to the customer, coupons. Well, that's interesting because it's also a culture of a company that's come under fire recently for some potential pump and dump stock scandals. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about meme stonks on this podcast. Um, Bed we're, Bath not and Beyond, <laughs> we're not done. Bed Bath & Beyond stock uh, skyrocketed earlier this year, but was hit really, really hard last month after an activist investor at GameStop uh, Corporation disclosed he's selling a large stake of the company. Um, that is the gentleman who is the founder of Chewy. And most recently, which is sad, which is probably what a lot of people come to mind when they think about Bed Bath & Beyond, is the CFO who actually leapt to his death and committed suicide after allegations of a pump and dump scandal uh, to try to profit off of uh, some shady shit going on in the stocks, which we don't need to get into. Um, <laughs> so this is a brand that from that story, which just absolutely kind of gripped people's attention to what we're hearing about um, the failure of this brand lately, we have to wonder, are they going to be able to save Bed Bath & Beyond? Is private labeling a tried and true st strategy that will pay off for this brand? Or is this going to be another retailer that we see close its stores in our lifetime? I mean, I just feel like Bed Bath and & Beyond and, you know, years ago could, should have like leaned all into social media and like created a way for whether it's Instagram or whatever social media channels you're on, you can kind of just like pull you into the buying experience or lean forward into Pinterest. Here's some collections. Here's some things that we mm. offer. And it just feels like they kind of clung to the older model. Maybe a brand that waited too long to make big picture changes. Another brand that we should talk about if we're talking about private labeling and brand names, CVS has an interesting strategy where right next to the nationally recognized brand, Allergy Medicine, Allegra, they'll have CVS brand allergy medicine, and it will say on the box, compare to Allegra, and you flip it over, and from what you can tell with what they divulge, it is the same ingredients. Mm, mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, I'm getting the same thing or for more, cheaper. Or you're getting more. This one has this much, and this one has this much, and it's just a bigger package with more options. 
I know. And there's so much trust and they're playing off of the inherent trust that people have with CVS. Mm -hmm. CVS is not just a play is not just a convenience store for you to grab things. It's a pharmacy. You can get a vaccine there. They're kind of in healthcare. I mean that years ago they made the decision to drop cigarettes in CVS and to push into CVS Health and I mean yeah consumer value stores mm -hmm. CVS has a tremendous amount of appreciation with its fan base and people absolutely love it and it seems to pay off Aldi for example the grocery store they'll have a private label cheese that's Aldi branded that will cost about 270 this same exact size block of cheese with a brand that consumers recognize costs almost double that so if you're a consumer and you know and trust aldi you're more likely to choose that product who doesn't want more cheese i mean taking from the cvs model where cvs puts it right next to the uh you know so you go there for the advil and you end up with the alternative right Amazon Basics. Amazon Basics has gotten a lot of flack for controlling the market. I mean, they have the algorithm. They can position what you see above what. But recently, actually, just coming out of the pandemic, there's been all sorts of articles talking about specifically like Amazon Basic pulling back, cutting certain categories, cutting non-performers, because some brands they're doing really well with. People are like, oh, Amazon Basics. I don't know. Maybe I trust the charger. Maybe I don't. Maybe I ordered one of those phone chargers. I plugged it in and it stopped working. So I think part of the trust, it's building that trust. And so it's very interesting to see what's happening with Amazon Basic. And now for something completely different. So if we had to put this to work, I would say there's really no concrete steps here. But if I had to think about it and looking at what we would take away here, it's Building consistency across everything that you do. That brand experience should start and not end in any of your touch points. At the end of the day, Costco's model was coming down to consistency and being instantly recognizable. So as we think about what we do in the marketplace, what can we do to ensure we're consistent and recognizable immediately to our customer base? If we're a product company and we're maybe following a similar model as Costco, one kind of global product family, uh, or we have more of a niche product, maybe some form of co-branding, at the end of the day, we all have different approaches in how we manage it. Uh, but in some ways, we inherit new products, new brands in acquisitions. This is a moment to take a look at our overall product families and categories. And if we're sitting there with a setup that maybe isn't necessarily working, maybe this is an opportunity to take a look and make a bold step, just like Costco did with a lot of products in a lot of territories. And now they've really reaped the benefits. They really have seen tremendous benefit and tremendous trust and loyalty marketing that one main product family. And if we're a service business, well, that gets a little bit more complicated. But I think at the end of the day, how we're branding our events, how we're branding our customer touch points and the milestones in our delivery process, what are we doing to ensure that brand equity across the board? Your brand is what you make of it and can be an extension of everything that you do. I did not go to business school. You know who else didn't go to business school? LeBron James, Tracy McGrady. They went right from high school to the NBA. So, so it's not the same thing at all. So if you had to take anything away from the episode today. I feel like 
I now know that I might need to take a field trip to Costco. Also, because like hashtag Kirk boys. What about the Kirk gals? (laughs) I ate it. (laughs) And mine would be at the end of the day, so much of branding is about trust. And this is a moment for us to think about what trust and what feelings that our brands are creating. And with that, we're out, folks. Thanks so much for listening to the Brand to Brand podcast. Subscribe and share to unlock your platinum membership. (laughs) Just kidding. That doesn't exist, but we'd really appreciate it.